Hello everyone, this is David Dacry. Welcome to the Open Bar Experience. All right, welcome back everyone. Um, thanks for tuning in again. Today is, um, this is my uh, new uh, commentary uh, episode which is uh, going to be uh, released on Fridays. Um, you know, why Fridays? Well, I figured like Mondays is, you know, the day where it's uh, nice and fun and we get to talk to some people that are um, interesting and industry. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a fun time. We, we get to hear from one another. On Fridays is going to be the, the kind of shit that, I want to dig into and part of it is you know technique and recipes and how you go about doing this or that or the other but the other part is about the bullshit that we deal with in the industry uh, whether it is from managers owners I am a manager so you know whatever and um, but also the industry as a whole the bigger picture and what is that bigger picture well, that bigger picture a lot of times is the people that are influential and how they go about manipulating um, the media, local media, and um, as well as, uh, you know, um, reps and brand ambassadors and things like that. So <clears throat> another thing is this, uh, this, this, this whole show is going to be honest. All right. So, Frankly, I don't care if there are two people listening or 2,000 people. Right now, I really don't care. I don't have any sponsors. Uh, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm doing this because I want to do it. I'm doing this because I like to do it. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel like the people that are listening are getting something out of it. And that's, that's, that's what I get out of it is whenever those few people come to me and they're like, you know, hey, man, that was really cool. Or, that was interesting. Or, you know, sometimes they have construct constructive uh, criticism, which I deeply appreciate. But at the same time, they, they find something about each episode so far that uh, was interesting to them. <clears throat> so that's that. And I appreciate that um, connection that, that I'm having with those people right now. Um. This particular episode is uh, going to be about a subject. Pardon me, I'm going to take a sip of my Adonis here. Not really an Adonis because I made it with my data and not with Sherry. But it's still delicious. Um, where was I? So this episode, we're going to talk about something that happens to some of the people that are talented and start to become influential. And uh, they don't necessarily like the status quo. But before I get into that, uh, let's get into uh, let, let's let me let me start off with a recent incident. And um, recent incident is that the USBG had some controversy about how um, um, some of the council members handled a harassment situation in a uh, a big chapter in the New York chapter, and. So, 
I'm going to start with saying that the USBG, United States Bartenders Guild, for those of you that don't know, has been very, very beneficial to me. Very beneficial. This was the place where, um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little story, a little backstory on, on me and the USBG. Um, how I, I be, how I got in, uh, uh, became a member. And that was, I was working at a wine bar who uh, wanted a cocktail menu that was going to be 17 and under, right? 17% alcohol and, and less because they were in wine bar, they didn't have a liquor license. And so I started to do the research about um, cocktails and, and things of that nature. And I can count, I, I can say there's one person, one and a half, because one sort of helped, but not in a coy type of way. But there was only one person that really helped me in finding certain books uh, to, to look at. This is, we're talking back 2012, 13. <clears throat> and so, and I went through the process and that's how I got into cocktails. So the thing about it was that um, I also figured that there had to be an organization nationally that uh, was for bartenders that were interested in learning uh, techniques and product knowledge and things like that. Because although Houston was brand spanking new back then in cocktails, you read some of these books and, you know, uh, the joy of mixology, for instance, these guys in the nineties were already doing that shit, you know, 12, 15 years before Houston got it. So I knew that there was someone else out there, uh, willing to help. So I looked through the internet and whatnot, I ended up with, uh, finding United States bartenders guild really didn't know what it was, but I figured, Hey, I'm going to risk $100 that I might be wrong, that this is fucking worthless um, to find out whether this is going to be worth it. You know, whether I'm going to get something out of it. Turns out um, I started immediately looking through the page. Uh, I found videos of uh, basic cocktails and we're talking like mojitos, um, daiquiris, old fashioned Moscow mules, right? And it was Angus Winchester that had made these videos because I talked to him about it, this at one point um, for a Canadian uh, hotel, I think, or, or, or restaurateur. I can't remember. But it, it seemed they were pretty basic and useful. And so the USBG used them. Cool. Then I uh, saw a thing to where, well, I'm not even going to get into that. Little by little, I started to find more events. Right. And it turned out that the, the, the current president at that time was someone that I had worked with before. And so at that once that we connected again, reconnected, I started to get more and more involved with the United States Bartenders Guild. So all that to say that the United States Bartenders Guild has been very, very beneficial to my career in the cocktail world. Okay. And I feel that young bartenders have a lot to benefit from it because it, the amount of information the United States Bartenders Guild has to offer, <clears throat> excuse me, today versus five years ago, six years ago, it has, is enormous. And part of that is the people that are involved are people that are um, very committed to the craft. All right, so that makes a huge difference. All right, 
stop. All right, that's that. Now, let's get into more recent stuff about the United States Bartenders Guild. And then we'll go back into some other shit. Recently, in the last few weeks, the United States Bartenders Guild had caught itself into uh, some drama uh, stemming from the harassment that I mentioned um, in the New York chapter. And what that was, was there wasn't a uh, structure to deal with it. Um, and then there wasn't necessarily what a lot of people think there was uh, empathy or sensitivity to actually deal with it properly. Now, I don't know what the legalities were with the national level. I don't know what the relationships were at the at the New York level. However, when somebody is sending angry texts to you and is someone who is very influential um, within the circle that you're in, um, it can get very intimidating for you. All right? So, um, that was the situation. There were multiple people that were involved in that. And the way that this played out in the last few weeks was there was an article um, that came out. I think it was Alcohol Professor. I, I meant to have this, but this is not as important to me right now as w the point that I'm getting to. So let's not get caught up in that. So I'm going to go over it real quick. An article came out talking about this situation, um, given sort of case in point um, from what the uh, accusers had to say. And with some of the uh, questions and uh, that the author of the article had um, contacted the national board with, that uh, prompted. Once the article came out, that prompted a letter from uh, USBG National to its members, where it was more defensive than anything else. Um, it was also unsigned which, you know, set a lot of people off. That prompted the New Orleans USBG to put out an open letter uh, that they wrote to their members, but it was open to all members where they pretty much unequivocally said that no form of harassment is to be uh, tolerated um, within the USBG and in particular the New Orleans uh, chapter, and that was signed by all of their council members. Um, that consequently uh, prompted the the former USBG president to put out a uh, Facebook uh, post on apologizing for the her role in the situation. Not gonna get really into that because that was long post and complicated, which then prompted a uh, prominent national bartender to you know, uh, uh, demand that she step down and that uh, the the guy that was doing the harassing, James Manite, and I'm going to name him because up until that point, up until that point, and I, okay, so I'm going to name her, Kate Gerwin, uh, named him. Frankly, I didn't know what the fuck was going on because there were a lot of sideways post about this and kind of that and kind of the other and so given how trife some people can be and if you work in the industry you have seen it before then you're like well i mean that could mean this and that and the other right um and so you know that that was that was kind of the thing is like either this person this side is going too far or this side has gone too far but up until that point when there were details that were put out it 
I would say it didn't really mean a whole lot to a lot of people, including myself. All right. So then that um, prompted the uh, Oregon USBG to put out another open letter just saying by no means do we tolerate any type of harassment. And here's the information in case that you're being harassed. Um, and that was also an open letter. It was a letter to their members at the local chapter and open to everyone else. Um, and eventually the USBG president, uh, Pam Witchesner, uh, stepped down. Um, which then there was another letter from National talking about the, uh, uh, her stepping down and talking about the new structures that are happening with the guild. Um, they also announced a uh, virtual town hall meeting that happened this Monday, this past Monday, um, June the 11th, June the 11th. And, um, and, and then they sent out a email pretty much, uh, um, abbreviating everything that, that was said in that new structures and whatnot. Now I purposely did not read that email yet until I, I, I produced this episode. Um, reason being is because there's still a lot to be said about certain things, a lot that I have to say about certain things that the USBG, I think, uh, is getting wrong. Um, so, let's get into that. First thing is, and most of what I know is from the local chapter, from my involvement in the local chapter here in Houston. And that is, one, I only have really two points. The first one is whenever an election happens, you can get your friends to become members of the United States Bartenders Guild and vote for you if, you, if you're running for a council, which means you have absolutely no involvement in the community and yet you're able to influence who is going to lead the community. Now, Am I the only one to think that that is fucking bullshit? I don't think so. Because, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I know that I'm not the only one. Because I know I'm not the only one that, 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 that thinks that. All right. So, essentially, whenever this happened... Uh, that, that I ran for USBG president and uh, then, um, you know, lost to someone who got a lot of involvement from people who were not part of the USBG community to vote for him. Um, then to me, it just seemed like the USBG was using elections as a uh, membership drive because it's a fucking giant loophole. Okay. And that, again, is fucking bullshit because the people that should be uh, deciding who should be in the leadership leadership position should be the people that are um, committed and involved and are part of the community. Not somebody that is not. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, my buddy over here. All right, that takes me to my next point. What is my next point? My next point is the fact that there are so many fringe benefits to being in the council of the United States Bartenders Guild in a local chapter that what has happened 
not only in Houston, because whenever I go to regional conferences, I talk to other people from other cities, and I thought that this is a Houston phenomenon, but it's not. The multiple cities, uh, people in multiple cities that I've talked to that have had the same problem is people run for office for, for the council, which is 100% volunteered. You do not get paid for it. Okay, let's make that clear. In order to get a coveted job, that coveted job, depending on your city, might be a bar where everybody wants to, to work at because, you know, the, the airplay that you get, and by airplay, I'm always going to mean media coverage um, or by being uh, uh, seeked after by distributors or suppliers. So what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is whenever people don't have, don't take the commitment seriously. Okay? And that commitment is, is if you're doing a volunteer work, you're doing volunteer work to the fucking end. And whenever people run for the council, they know that this is a two-year commitment. So why the fuck would you quit six months after or less than a year after? That is because you are out for a fucking job not to fucking represent the community. Plain and simple. All right? So that's the other problem that I have with the structure of the USBG. It's not necessarily that, that these people can get those jobs. It's the fact that they're, they're going at... Again, I think it goes back to the first one, which is they're getting help from their friends to get elected, then they get the job, and then no longer... They become absent from the United States Bartenders Guild's meetings, uh, events, um, anything that has to do with it. Now, I've also know people and seen posts on, on social media about how people got fucked over by the USBG and some of the, the, the I guess, the rules. So again, I'll go back to the whole uh, structure thing. All right, so I think the structure is not as uh, as 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 sound as it should be for what it is. It is a volunteer basis. This is a a, a 501 C uh, C6, right? Educational nonprofit that. The, the, the members, the people that, that lead it, are not getting paid. There's only a few paid uh, positions at the national level for this thing. So most people are doing it on a volunteer basis because, you know, they want to make a change in the industry, which is a beautiful thing. However, I get back to it. Whenever someone who is not part of the community can vote to, to, to who will lead the community, there's something very wrong with that structure which goes on to people that will only run because it's a good thing. It's, it's a, it looks good on their resume, right? Now, suppliers and distributors, I get why they would go with someone like that because once this is a popularity industry. This is middle school and high school with alcohol. I mean, fuck, what am I saying? There's alcohol in middle school and high school shouldn't be i'm not condoning it i'm not promoting it i just remember how it was whenever i was in high school okay this is anecdotal so don't 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 get all fucking crazy all right so it's a popularity thing so 
yeah, I get it why you your rep, you know, distributor wants a rep that, you know, was is part of the uh, United States Bartenders Guild or the council or was in a leadership position, was able to achieve that leadership position. I understand a supplier wanted a brand ambassador that has uh, the, the sort of charisma, the sort of uh, panage to go out there and uh, teach people um, about their product. And uh, that, that has an understanding uh, about cocktails and recipes and, and things of that nature. I get it. What I don't get is why the USBG is set up the way that it is. Now, there are structural changes that are happening, and I would hope that some of those have to do with how many, how people, how bartenders abandon the council member, the, their, their elected positions, because now all of a sudden they're too busy with their new job. Well, it's a fucking USBG that got you the job. You should honor your commitment. And I don't understand why a distributor supplier would want somebody that can't honor their commitment. Especially when they've been talked to about it. Are you sure you want to run for this position? It seems to me like you're too busy. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. And this is, this is not imaginary. This is really what happened. Because I was the one asking the questions. So... What I'm getting at is that during this whole thing of the USBG drama with National and New York and whatnot, and New York, I love you, New York. I know some beautiful people in New York. I really, truly do. This is not me fucking just trying to soften this thing. I know some amazing and beautiful people at work at New York that have... Um, that have benefited me. They've, they've been incredibly generous with me. Okay. So nothing against the New York or the New York at USBG. Uh, I think is a USBG in general, because again, here in Houston and in the regional conferences that I've been, I've been very fortunate to have been in the, uh, in the South, which is Eastern side of the South. And now we're part of the Southwest, which is the Southwest side of the South. And in both sides, I've been able to talk to people to where they have said yes. You know, that bullshit has happened with us too. This guy, this girl ran for council. They were all gung-ho. As soon as they got the job, six months later, they, know they, they, they quit their position. Why? Because it's a popularity fucking contest. And didn't you learn anything from fucking high school? Becky don't give a fuck about you and neither does Johnny. They just want your adoration. They don't give a shit about your needs. So I'm going to give it up right now in, in, in one respect to the Houston Council because this is the second time around. There's only one change that happened to it. They've been very, very committed. I hope that uh, you have something similar in your city. But, however, comma, recently in, uh, in a meeting, uh, there were some things said that I don't think was intended in the wrong way, 
but I has the potential, of, has the mentality of the wrong way. Whether you realize it or not. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. The other part is the media darlings. Okay? So, this whole episode, I'm going, I'm going around about the, the long way. Because this episode is about getting blackballed in this industry. Hmm. You've heard of that. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty fucking sure you know some people that are part of that list. And so, how does that happen? Well, there's a few things. Actually, I'm going to focus just on the ones that I'm most familiar with. And that is, the media attaches itself to the obvious. And so if someone is doing good work or, you know, simply the first ones to do the work, then they attach themselves to that. And whenever they do that, the perception is like, well, they must be the best because they're constantly in the media. Best happy hour, best patio, best drinks, best this, best that, best the other. Let me let you in in a little fucking secret. They have a publicist. They have a publicist. What's the job of the publicist? The job of the publicist is to go out there and fucking spend money um, on behalf of the establishment. And so they court uh, the media, whether it is, you know, at a national level or at a local level, in order to have the people they represent constantly uh, in people's ears, eyes, and, 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 uh, and their face. So what I have found from that is that one... Bartenders feel like, fuck, I'm not doing enough. I don't know enough. I need to do up my game and I need to do all this. And when I look at what they do, I'm like, well, fuck, dude. Like you're making your own bitters, <laughs> which I've never fucking done. Because I'm lazy. So I just blend bitters. And so that's my house bitters because it's my fucking blend. I mean, Black Maple Hill. Happy Van Winkle, back when they were good. Their blends. Um, what was I getting at? So they're they're doing fresh juices. Um, they're making their own orja. They're making their own pasties. They're all making their own. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And yet they feel like they're not doing enough because... How is it that they never write about me? How is it that they never write about the place that I'm that I'm at? How come this cocktail can't get into this competition? How come this 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 uh, this program can't get any attention? Listen, relax, okay? Take a breath. It's not your fault. You're not paying twenty five hundred dollars a month on a publicist. That's the reason why. It's not that you're not doing good work. You are doing good work. You're doing very good work. 
And those of us that visit your bars, we know that you are. And we tell people. I make sure that when someone is doing good work, I let everybody know. And when they're dicks, I let everybody know too. Because fuck you. So, I digress. Let me get back to it. Hold up. Let me get, take my drink here. All right, so, media darlings. These media darlings are also the people that influence uh, brand ambassadors and reps. Because sometimes it's their friends that go for those positions. And they get those positions because they collude in, in making sure that they have their tentacles in enough of these places to make sure that you... Keep your fucking lane. All right? And I'm going to give you a really, really quick example. I was at a bar recently where uh, the bartender told me, oh, well, you know, you can't get Flor de Caña because, you know, it has sanctions. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I buy it by the handle. And I do. I move Flor de Caña by the fucking handle. He's like, really? He's like, yeah. And all of this stems from, you know, Facebook posts from like two years ago, three years ago. You know, uh, Flor de Caña having some bullshit about, you know, conditions of their workers. Let me tell you something. If you did your research on that, there are multiple large companies, top one, two, three, four, that have had the same thing happen to them in the same region, Central America. Years before. But I don't know why that one got blackballed. Right? But that's the power of the media darlings. And so... uh, There's this big thing about, oh, you should know what's in your back bar. Yeah, you should. To You know, there's only so much you can know. I mean, does everybody spend hours and hours a day... Knowing exactly, tracing where this rum was bought from, and that rum, and the other rum, and the other rum. Furthermore, what about the names that some of those rums carry? Are they really good for society? Are they really good for everybody? I'm not going to get into that one right now. But, there's plenty of shit in the back bar that is bullshit. And any bar that has more than a few dozen fucking bottles, you have bullshit in your back bar. So, you know, calmate, pendejo. All right. So, the other thing that I wanna I wanna impress in 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 this po- episode is is within this thing of being blackballed, right? It's only if you believe in it. And what do I mean? What do, what do I mean by that? I mean, it, it's a real thing, right? Because there are reps that won't come by. There are reps that promise uh, get doing sponsoring, <laughs> coming by and doing spend on, on your stuff. And I mean from supply side and on the uh, distributor side. And they sit down with you and they say, yeah, and you can get this and you can get that. And we'll help you out with this other thing. And then all of a sudden they won't return your phone calls, your texts or nothing. Won't even look at you at events. 
And he's like, what the fuck? You see, the thing about it is that I don't, I have not built my life on asking for permission. And I feel like that sort of weakness is bound to crumble. And so what I want you to understand, and I'm talking to you, the ones that have experiences and have see it clearly for what it is. You know, it only exists if you allow yourself to be isolated. Because if you are doing a program that moves product, then you don't need them. You have the talent to move product. There are other suppliers, there are other distributors that will, you know, are, 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 are reps that will work with you. They see the bullshit too. Okay? And so there is no need to feel like you need to shh, be quiet, shut up. Okay. And that's, that's why this is, this is my point of what I heard in the USBG meeting was you can say whatever you want, but doesn't mean it has, it doesn't have consequences or you will not benefit from what the USBG does offer. Okay. The high Harvey Weinstein's of the world and the Bill Cosby's of the world, where do they exist? They exist in the shadows. They exist through the threat that if you say something, you'll never get a job in this town again. For those of you that know me, what's my response to that? Yeah, exactly. Fuck you. So, it is very dangerous to promote the idea that if you say something then you have no opportunities because what i'm trying to what my point in this episode is is like no it's got to be the contrary right the the people that say that the the darlings of the industry they're the elite they're elitist okay and right now there is a point where you don't need them because as a group, all of you with the talent to make your own setup, uh, uh, bitters and, 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 and pasties and, and all of those homemade ingredients that you do that make your program amazing, all right? There's a lot more of you than there are of them. And collectively, it is a much larger force than they are now the media is is different because i found that for the most part i mean they go for the obvious it's like really like you're gonna write about james beard award winner duh i mean i i get it if you do it once maybe even twice but that's all you do get a fucking life all right, I'm going to leave that one alone because I get a little worked up. Again, let me say it again. 
because I want you to forget this. You do not need their permission. You do not need their permission. You're already doing amazing work. Now is, is the time for us to start getting together and promoting one another. And, and I've said this before in social media, openly and in, 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 in public. And that is, I know as a fact, because of the talent that exists in this industry, that there are people out there that are amazing writers. And so you should be writing about the industry. You should be the, the journalist. Now, I get the fact that it doesn't pay very well. But I also have full confidence that even on a part-time basis, you, do, you have more to offer than some of the people that are doing it on a full-time basis. And I do mean that. When I mean more, I mean you do what they do plus 50% more at, on a part-time basis. Reason being... You know the industry. You understand the industry. You know what it is to work a shift. How many people write about the industry that have never fucking worked a shift in their life? Good shift, bad shift, it doesn't really matter. Or actually, it does matter. But what I'm saying is, you are a better writer, and you have better perspective, and you will have more respect for what you're writing than some of them do. So, if if you want to do this and you think that I can help you, you need to contact me because I have some ideas about how to go about this. All right? If you're a good writer, I think that there is an opportunity here. Just saying. All right, so... Aside from, from all of that, I mean, sometimes the fear is like, well, my program is not this and my program is not that. And, you know, I, I, I understand because there is a lot from, from having managed programs in the Houston area, cocktail programs for the past five years or so, back and forth from managing to bartending and, and seeing it from both sides back and forth. I know that there is a lot of difficulties um, in the way that that happens. And, and by difficulties, I mean whenever you're not the one that has the final decision because somebody else is, is paying the bills, right? So your decision is is good up to a certain point, right? Then... You know, it gets disheartening whenever, you know, some of these places are ran by the people that, you know, are decision makers. It's like they know what they're doing and, and they know how to do it and they have the final decision and, and they're good at it. And so not taking anything away from them as far as the quality of the programs is just the monopoly that they have created. And so... If you know anything about any markets, about markets in general, monopolies are always bad. Well, unless you talk about utilities. And even then, they're greedy as fuck. Anyways, 
what you have to do is build your reputation by committing to quality. And some of you already have done that. So I think that the sooner that you realize that what you're doing is as good as what they're doing, then you can relax and think more clearly about this thing. I'm going to leave that there. So, like I said, getting blackballed in the industry is fucking bullshit. Because while you see the the brands and the reps and you know distributors and all of them spending money in these other places and constantly they're having events, you know, same spending money. I mean, having events at the same fucking places over and over again. All their posts is about the same fucking bar. And oh my God, their drinks are so awesome. Right? That is their fear of not having the fucking Don's fucking nod. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like uh, Game of Thrones, you know? With the fucking court and all the jesters and all these people fucking colluding and kissing each other's ass and fucking each other over and all that bullshit that goes along with it. Yeah. It's just like that. So, the way that I solve that problem is by not giving a shit. I really don't give a shit what they think of me. I don't really give a shit what they think of my program. I really don't give a shit about how they do things. And it's worked out for me. Because the places that I've been able to 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 work and um, do what I do, uh, I've built some uh, very good relationships. I've worked with some incredible people that, again, don't get any airplay. Um, and when it comes to the young people, uh, after their initial shock of how direct I am and the way that I teach them, they start to realize when they go to other bars, it's like, fuck. Like, I know some shit. And I'm like, well, hold up. You don't know that much. <laughs> no, but it's, 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 um, it's something that makes me feel good. But to me, the solution to this whole thing for you is just don't give a fuck what they think. But at the same time, let's not give a fuck as a group. And then do something. And what is that something? Is is promote one another. Let's let's collude. And that's a nasty word. But that's exactly what they're doing. They've colluded to get their friends into the rep world. They've colluded to get their friends into the uh, supply world. They've colluded with the uh, to help the uh, some of the food writers get to you know this wonderful place where people trust them. Um, so, what makes you think you can't do the same? You should realize that you can do the same. So, there's that. And so, here's a little homework, if you want, if you're up for it. If you have listened to anything that I've said and taken it seriously or even given a fuck about any of this or anything or any of my opinions, my question to you is, what is your ethos? 
What is the thing that you live by? And how you go about it? So, what is your ethos? Because giving a shit what any of these people think, man, that's a horrible way to live. It's middle school. It's fucking high school at best. It's the fucking jocks and the geeks. <laughs> it's fucking, it's silly as fuck. It's about, you know, the whole popularity thing. It's like, yeah, man, I could pop a willy. <laughs> it's like, can you do a backflip? It's all that fucking shit. So, what is your ethos? Examine that. Because at that point, I mean, you can shrug them off. Once you shrug them off, you start to build something new. You start to build something bigger. Because the, those elitist motherfuckers, they're not that many. And, and they're court jesters. They're fucking cockroaches. So, it's up to you. I'm just here giving my fucking opinion because I can. Thank God the podcasting. So, here's to you as I finish my fucking Adonis. And, um, you know... 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. Are you up? I'm up. So, until next time, you know how it goes. Keep the conversation going. And, as far as this episode is concerned, don't give a fuck. I'm out.